0: Quite literally, I would say we're in the midst of an epidemic of incivility Uh, and and that's really because unkindness and uh, rudeness are contagious. They're just like like a, a flu or a virus and they pass from one person to the next. So if we are treated rudely, even if we just see somebody else being treated rudely, it causes us to behave more rudely in our next encounters and pretty soon it just spreads out and everybody's got the bug.
1: Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are contributing to the greater good and living with purpose and zest. My guests have included hospice workers, master athletes, writers, filmmakers, human rights advocates, musicians, dog rescuers, and they're all creating uh, a better world. They're creating good in their own ways. And I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And this podcast is my way of bringing some light to a world that is feeling pretty broken right now. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, a previous guest on Zestful Aging, and Judy's also an eating disorder treatment specialist who supervised me in Ann Arbor in the early 90s, so life is kind of funny that way. Uh, Find out more about her and her music on JudyBanker.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control so i created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist Um, just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours what could be more relevant and important than creating kindness right now donna does a great job talking about how both kindness and unkindness are contagious We really have the power to create a positive ripple effect in the world. Well, as usual, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky who needs a haircut desperately right by my side. So let's begin. We have a great interview for you today. We're going to be speaking with Donna Cameron, who spent her career as a business owner working with nonprofit organizations and causes. And it was there we sh- where she saw kindness in action. And she was just awed by its power to transform. And while she considered herself a reasonably nice person with occasional lapses into crankiness, she knew that true kindness was a step above. And in 2015, she committed to a year long deep dive into kindness and her 2018 book, A Year of Living Kindly has earned more than a dozen awards including the prestigious Nautilus Book Award and we're just thrilled to have her welcome to the show Donna
0: thanks so much Nicole it's delightful to be here be with you and Sparky
1: yeah, yeah. I don't know if Sparky is aware that we're having this conversation. <laughs> He's resting up for his walk. Um, So kindness is, wow, it's a really, it's a it's a big one. And I think people are even more acutely aware that it seems like our country in particular might be getting less kind. Uh, would you agree with that? Or do you see it differently? Well,
0: we certainly see a lot of kindness. And I think over the last couple of months of the COVID-19 epidemic, we've, there have been wonderful stories of kindness. But we've also seen a lot of stories of unkindness and and greed and suspicion. Um, quite literally, I would say we're in the midst of an epidemic of incivility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And that's really because unkindness and and uh, rudeness are contagious they're just like like a float a flu or a virus and they pass from one person to the next so if we um, are treated rudely even if we just see somebody else being treated rudely it causes us to behave more rudely in our next encounters and pretty soon it just spreads out and um, everybody's got the bug uh, so yes, I do agree. It's, um, there's a lot of unkindness, but there's also good news from science, and that's that kindness is equally contagious. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that if more people understand that and realize that in every act, Every interaction we have, we have a choice of which contagion we want to spread. Mm-hmm. People will start choosing kindness, even when it's mm-hmm. hard, especially when it's hard.
1: Why is it hard, Donna? Why is it hard for us to choose kindness?
0: Well, it's not always our default position. I think a lot of us tend to respond to... Uh, to interactions in sort of a knee-jerk way. If somebody says something that we find questionable or offensive, we respond back instantly. And it's not always the best response. That's why I I often say one of the most important skills of kindness is something very simple, but not necessarily easy. And that's learning to pause, Mm -hmm. to just stop and, and think about well, this person, you know, maybe they didn't really mean for the, what they said mm-hmm. to come out this way or you know, maybe they are a jerk, but that's not a reason for me to be a jerk too. somebody else's incivility doesn't need to trigger mine. And just thinking about who we want to be and what sort of a world we want to promote. So that pause is one of the most powerful, uh, powerful skills we can develop. I think it gives us I like to say it gives us the gift of grace.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because what you're asking people to do is have some self-awareness. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And to say, you know, in the pause, first of all, to say, oh, yeah, remember, don't react, pause for a moment. How do we go about teaching that? Because reactivity is, sounds like, it it seems like it's kind of a natural, as you say, you know, someone is insulting or gruff, our natural response is just to give it right back. How do we teach people to say, okay, that was gruff, that was obnoxious, let me take a moment?
0: Well, I don't know if we can teach it so much as model it, and it takes practice, and we're not Nobody's ever going to become perfect at it unless they're, you know, a Mother Teresa or the Mm -hmm. Dalai Lama or somebody. But I think coming up with some phrases that you might say in those circumstances and practicing them even, you know, just on your own and then trying it when somebody pushes your buttons. Things like. uh, And you have to say them sincerely, not with not uh, patronizingly or sarcastically, just things like. It it sounds like you're having a bad day or Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I offended you. And even if you don't think you did, there's no nothing wrong with apologizing or just saying with recognition, especially in times like we're going through now, it's been a tough day. Mm -hmm. And just acknowledging that that it's hard. And Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, maybe when the encounter is over, saying genuinely, I hope the rest of your day goes well. And it really Mm -hmm. gives you energy to be able to say things like that to people. And sometimes you see such a turnaround. Somebody will uh, change their tune, their their tone. Um, Sometimes they'll even say, oh, I'm sorry if I seemed short earlier. I'm just, you know, I'm dealing with a lot right now. So um, just giving giving people the benefit of the doubt is Mm -hmm. such a gift. Mm
1: -hmm. You're talking, of course, about compassion. Mm Mm-hmm and how to grow compassion and to see that everyone is suffering at one level or another it's true
0: we're all carrying i think an in invisible load of pain and we don't know what other people are are uh, are experiencing maybe that on the outside it looks like they have everything going for them and life is wonderful but who knows what might be happening in their life that we don't see and that they don't say, but it, it may spill out in how they behave. Um, I think another uh, skill of kindness is curiosity, mm-hmm. uh, tapping into your curiosity when you see somebody behaving in a, a way that's questionable and thinking. Giving them the benefit of the doubt and then thinking, maybe there's something going on that I don't know. Maybe she misunderstood or maybe she didn't mean for her words to come out exactly like this. Giving that benefit of the doubt and saying, I bet there's something I'm willing to acknowledge that there's something I don't know here.
1: Uh Aha, I see. So there's a humility in it as well yeah yeah uh
0: there's a quote and I, I i wish i could remember right now who said it and i um uh, but it's um if in a choice between being right and being kind choose kind
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and a lot of us always choose right and that's sometimes because that's how we were raised we were raised in because in our families we were rewarded for being smart or being right uh, but uh kind is better
1: are there different cultures you think that um, promote this more actively than others
0: um i think kindness is pretty universal it may be that what people see as kind in one culture can be a little bit divergent from another culture but it's just like um when I talk to groups, somebody will say, well, um, this is a really Christian notice notion, isn't it?" And and I say, "No, there's no there's no religion that doesn't have kindness as a tenet."
1: Oh, right! All of the re- great great religious leaders, right, talk about yeah, that. All yeah. of them, yes.
0: And I think it may be that in some cultures, kindness may be quieter, and you're not so much. Um, there's a little bit more reverence or, or respect, but there, I don't think there's any culture where kindness isn't isn't pretty important, pretty mm-hmm. uh, central.
1: I know I I don't live too far from the Canadian border and uh, have Canadian guests and Canadian listeners and. I know that they are self-conscious or they joke about that they like to apologize a lot, that that's <laughs> something that they do as a culture. Everything is, uh, um, I'm sorry, but, and I don't know if that makes them more kind. I do notice that when we cross the border, things just seem a little bit less uh, competitive and aggressive. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about that history. I I don't know anything about that, but it certainly is something that there's an awareness about. Is there, uh, they like to apologize.
0: <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I, yeah. I, I know Canadians do have a reputation for kindness, and my experience whenever I travel to Canada is that it's a very, very kind country, but mm-hmm. I think I've experienced that in, in many countries. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: sure. So... Talk a little bit about some of the misconceptions, because we all know about kindness, and I think we all would agree it's a, it's a good thing, um, but not everybody devotes themselves, certainly as you have, to really focusing on it, learning about it, practicing it. Tell me about what the misconceptions are, why people might not embrace this.
0: Well, I think a lot of people uh, view kindness as something that's weak, that's sort of inconsequential, um, that kind people are wishy-washy or easy to manipulate. Uh, I, I remember being on a plane a few years ago and talking to my seatmate and mentioning that I was writing a book about kindness. And she said, oh, isn't that sweet? (laughs) And I swear she almost patted me on the head.
1: Um,
0: And kindness isn't sweet. It's strong and it's courageous. It's even assertive. And it's hard. Uh, Mm. There's a real difference between being kind and being nice. And I would say that nice is pretty easy. It doesn't ask all that much of us. Um, We can be nice without really extending ourselves without uh, putting out a lot of effort without taking a risk Mm -hmm. Uh, where Mm -hmm. kindness we can be nice and still make judgments about people or be impatient with them where kindness asks us to suspend judgment and it it asks us to to take a risk to you know very often when we extend a kindness we don't know if the other person is ready for it sometimes people read Rejected or misunderstand um, a lot of us aren't good receivers so even when someone offers us a kindness sometimes we'll refuse it you know whether it's a seat on the bus or a, a gift or even a compliment mm-hmm. so when you're being kind you're you're risking all of those things you're risking that rejection you're risking calling attention to yourself uh, and we don't know how that's going to ha- how that's going to play out so uh, it does take take some courage.
1: you're and opening I, yourself up um you is are. that is that the i I mean that you know as I read your book and you talked about you know you've always been nice, your mom was nice, all of this. the idea is that opening yourself up and engagement is very different than just smiling or um you know, other gestures that we might say are nice. Is that, am I getting that?
0: Yeah, I think that really does get to the essence of it. It's um, sort of taking a, a, a deep dive into the interaction and not just staying on the surface. It's being willing to, sometimes it means being willing to speak up for someone who's being marginalized or, or treated badly, or being the the first person to stand up. I've um, recently done a lot of work with um, kids and bullying, or, and really, the more I learn about bullying, and this isn't just kids and bullying, but uh, adult bullies in the workplace and things like that. If one person, one bystander, speaks out and says, "Hey, this isn't appropriate," or you need to stop that. That That's usually enough to make a bully back off. But it takes that one person to be strong enough to to step out there and say, not, not cool. And then as soon as other people see that, they'll step in too. But mm-hmm. being the first person to have that courage. And I think kindness really does take courage.
1: Mm-hmm. This is so interesting. Hello, Zesties. I want to tell you about one of my all-time favorite exercise and stress reduction tools, which I am really relying on during this quarantine, but I've sung its praises for years. The benefits are seemingly endless. Uh, It's great for toning and strengthening muscles. It improves your lymph system, your metabolism. It helps with joint pain and balance, and it's even used by NASA astronauts because it's such an efficient way to exercise. And if you're older or you're worried about your balance, you can order a stabilizer bar to hang on to. I'm talking about my Kneedak Rebounder mini trampoline. I put on my music and I have my own dance party. Because for me, exercise needs to be fun and invigorating. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. Now is not the time for the philosophy of no pain no gain because we're in enough pain. This is a way to feel good and energized and have fun. It really does help mood as well and I like that NEDAC is made in the USA and it is really solid. I've had mine for 15 years and it's still in great shape. The NEDAC Rebounder will help us get through this quarantine in better shape mentally and physically. And there's also a model that folds up if space is an issue. One of my clients puts it on her driveway and uses it while she's watching her kids during the quarantine. Anyway, I can't recommend NEDAC Rebounders enough. They are a worthwhile investment in your health and overall overall well-being, especially now. If you are interested in a mini trampoline, please don't buy a cheap one. Those can be actually dangerous and it is really worth uh, investing in a good quality one and right now if you use the coupon code just for zestful aging listeners the code is zestful they are going to include a free cover for you so go to NEDAC.com. it's N-E-E-D-A-K.com. and if you have any questions you can contact me at zestfulaging.com i really am their biggest fan I'm curious if you remember the moment you decided to write this book, what that? What led up to it?
0: Well, I, that's an interesting question, because I really didn't start out with the intention of a book in mind. Um, I've been interested in kindness for well over 20 years and um, always been aware of the difference between being nice and being kind. And so for years, I would set an intention, not not really a New Year's resolution, but almost like that. I would set an intention of being kind, cultivating kindness. And then it would fall by the wayside when when my work became stressful or the hours it took to grow our company were mounting. Uh, and I would just sort of let that resolution fade. And it's not that I was a bitch or even unkind. I just settled for for being nice. Uh, and then finally in 2015 i really wanted to commit to kindness not just being kind but understanding it researching it investigating it i'm kind of nerdy nicole and i i love research ever <laughs> Well since... you're
1: speaking to the you're speaking to the choir right <laughs> oh, here good. nerd just... meet this is a nerd fest right here Yeah
0: great i just love doing research um so when I decided to focus for a year on kindness, it wasn't just on, oh, you know, how can I be kind to, you know, this person that I'm interacting, but it was looking at the science. Uh,
1: right, the neurobiology. <laughs> yeah, and fortunately,
0: in recent years, there's been a lot of studies from major universities and psychologists and physicians and economists uh, about kindness. So there's lots of research about the benefits of kindness. So anyway, I decided to, um, I wanted to hold my feet to the fire and stay with this and not let it fade. So I decided to create a blog and invite a few friends to following it, to, to follow it uh, knowing that it, if I just let that commitment fade, it would be a pretty visible failure. <laughs> uh, and for me, that's all really all it took to be accountable. I,
1: accountable. You know, ev-
0: every, mm-hmm. every Wednesday for a year, I had a blog post to post between 7 and 8 a.m. And um, before I knew it, I had a lot of people following the blog and engaging with me and wonderful conversations about kindness it was really a community of, of very kind people who were interested in in understanding and spreading kindness and this you know as we've said is was the beginning of 2015 and it was really a different world back then it was before the presidential um, candid- candidates declared i think there might have been one or two but they were pretty civil and decorous um, but by midsummer of that year, everything changed. And, you know, we saw candidates slinging mud and name-calling and trash-talking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's when I think this epidemic of incivility really, really got underway.
1: Um, so was that part of what spurred you, that you saw the the effects of not being kind and yeah. felt like you had to address that in, in, in your own life?
0: It really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it became, I think my thoughts about kindness became less theoretical and more real world. Um, so when I started at the beginning of 2015, I was assuming this was going to be a one-year project. and um, But really early on, I realized that I could not claim kindness and for a year and then move on to uh, learning to play the clarinet the next year or (laughs) taking up contract bridge or something Um, so i really wanted to commit to kindness for as long as i'm i'm on the planet and it was actually my blog followers who suggested that i turn um my thoughts into into a book and uh as soon as they said that i thought well of course yeah that would be wonderful fun i i had written another book um, a few years earlier with a co-author and so i sort of knew what i might be getting into and it was it just was the next natural step i think the only hesitation i had was Um, As I started talking to people and potential publishers and agents about it, everybody kept referring to it as a self-help book. And I have to confess, I'm not a big fan of self-help books. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some really great ones out there, and there are some really great ones on my shelf that I, I treasure. But there are also an awful lot where the author seems to take the view that um, that they have found the true path, that um, if, if you just follow their prescription and do what they say, you'll have this great life. Um, and I don't think it works that way. Uh, I think we, we read books like that to get ideas and decide how we can apply them to our own life. And we say, well, yeah, this works for me, but this isn't so much. Uh, and, but as soon as I realized I could write the book that way. I could share what I learned and invite people to to think about their own situation and their own questions and choices. Um, Then it just sort of fell into place and it was such fun to write.
1: I think one of the very helpful aspects of your book is at the end, you have a little paragraph saying, what do you think about this? Why don't you try this? What do you you know? It's very conversational and very, you know, non-prescriptive in a sense. Um, It's really drawing the reader in and saying, what would it mean if you did this? I mean, it's very much about take this in Think about it, process it, try it and see how it goes.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That's sort of what I was aiming for, and, and that's what I what I want the reader to get. I want them to be able to say, This is what I want to focus on, and this is what works for me, and these other things are very nice, but this isn't relevant now, but maybe it will be later.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. Yes. Uh, Maybe you're having compassion for your audience, knowing that this is very hard and that it's not going to be perfect and that there's going to be good days and bad days, some days more kind than others. Oh, for
0: sure. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to become a paragon of kindness or there are always going to be lapses or times when we just we're oblivious. We don't notice that there's somebody right in front of us who who needs our kindness. Or or maybe there's somebody who's extending a kindness to us, and we don't notice that.
1: Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit, if you would, about um, social anxiety. And certainly that's a thing to itself. And as, as a psychotherapist, I certainly see a lot of that. But we're seeing anxiety now. At levels that we've never seen before. Um, And often what happens is people are so inward and so worrying about did I say this right? Did I look right? You know, does my hair look okay? Did I sound dumb? Did I interrupt? It's so much about self assessment. You talk about kindness as helping with that.
0: Yeah, that was a fascinating study to discover. This one was came out of the University of British Columbia in, in Canada. And it was a study of young people, young adults. Uh, and it showed that if people focused on kindness, it really alleviated social anxiety, uh, even debilitating social anxiety. And it was a lot of simple things, things like, um, helping a friend, uh, doing, doing somebody's dishes without being asked. And I really could relate to this one myself. I, I don't think I have debilitating social anxiety, but one of the things that I hate is uh, cocktail parties, mm-hmm. receptions. And I was in a profession where uh, we went to a lot of conferences and lots of meetings, and part of that was often Uh, the obligatory cocktail party or the opening Mm -hmm. reception. Mm -hmm. And I love talking to people. I love interacting with people, but that setting to me was so intimidating. I just dreaded it. And so I tried to look at, to reframe it, to think about, well, there's probably somebody here who feels the same way as I do. And Mm -hmm. I want to find that person. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I even, um, for an organization I belong to I even signed up to be the uh, the conference chair and to um, to help plan these things and I made it my point in these um, these events that I dreaded to connect people, to look for people and see, ask them what they wanted to get out of, what were they hoping to get out of the conference, and was there anybody they especially wanted to meet, and then I would try to connect them, and I realized, as soon as I stopped worrying about my own, you know, how was I doing, and how was I coming across, and was I saying the right things, as soon as I stopped being self conscious, I started having fun. And
1: um, there's was, a freedom in that. Oh,
0: there is. There is. It's just a matter of, it's often just reframing.
1: Mm-hmm. Very different orientation away from self and towards others.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I know a lot of our listeners around the world are going to say, I want to be more kind. And after listening to you and and hearing all of the benefits for others and for ourselves, will you give us a couple little starters that are not too overwhelming, but something to practice?
0: Well, I think one of the really easy ones to do is as we enter an interaction, whether it's going to Um, a meeting or just meeting a new person, pausing before we do and, and saying, what's, what's the kind response here? What can I do in this situation to be kind? And then paying, just paying attention. You mentioned earlier about uh, being self-aware, paying attention is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think of it as, um, are we listening for the music or the missed note? Oh,
1: wow, I love that.
0: Yeah, and it's you know i've I've known a lot of people in my life, really good people, wonderful people whose natures are such that they they really like to criticize. They like to be the person who finds the typo in the newsletter or in the the menu who notices the spot that was missed when their car was washed or something like that and if we spend our time looking for what's wrong then all we all all we get out of it is we become people who are really good at seeing what's wrong Mm -hmm. Um, so i think approaching things with a different attitude um, trying to look for what's right um, you know instead of noticing somebody has crooked teeth or they're you know they're missing a button notice what a great smile they have or mm. their intention so it's kindness isn't i was going to say it isn't hard it's simple but it isn't easy mm. it's um, mm. you know I, I think paying attention is one of those one of the things like pausing that's just essential and then trying we talked about this a little bit earlier trying not to Find offense even when people blunder and say things badly, uh, giving that benefit of the doubt and and mm-hmm. practicing saying some of those things like, um, yeah, I, I'm sorry if I offended you or know, um, yeah, Let's hope the rest of the day goes better for both of us. Just and being genuine about it,
1: mm-hmm. being forgiving in a sense.
0: Yes, forgiving is a big chunk of it. Mm-hmm. And then another piece, Nicole, I think is a lot of people don't extend, a kindness, extend kindness because they think it's just too puny. Um, mm-hmm. They don't think about the fact that I think most of the kindnesses we experience as we go through our day are really small things. They're mm-hmm a greeting from our barista or Mm -hmm. um, somebody a car allowing us to merge on on the highway Mm -hmm. um, greeting our our uh, co-workers a smile eye contact they're all really little things and they're really easy to do but it you know what they're also really easy not to do Mm -hmm. and they make such a difference because if if i have a positive interaction with somebody, even if it's the clerk at the grocery store or the person making a coffee, then I tend to be kinder in my next interaction. And then that person will be kinder. So that sounds
1: so important for us to remember that it may seem puny, but back to your uh, research about contagion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's so important that we actually can start a ripple effect of kindness by being gracious or looking the grocery clerk in the eye um, and and saying thank you or and making a positive comment.
0: Yeah, I, I call them micro kindnesses. There's a, a an author, John. John Blakey, who wrote a wonderful book called The Trusted Executive, and he calls them TNTs, or tiny noticeable things. But they really do make such a difference in our days. It's, it's sometimes the difference between having a good day or a bad day. Mm-hmm. I guess a mm. the, the, the last tip I would say is... Don't aim for the stars. Uh, You know, saying I'm going to go from being uh, an oblivious person who settles crankpot, yeah, (laughs) to to suddenly becoming Mother Teresa's, you know, kinder sister uh, is not realistic, and it it's not going to last. But maybe setting an intention of this week, I'm going to be try to be five percent kinder, or maybe 10% kinder, and just thinking about what that is. Mm -hmm. And And Sometimes sometimes that's being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of us don't think we deserve it, or we don't have time for it, but it has to start there. Mm
1: -hmm. So important, and I think so, so much more complicated than, uh, you know, in terms of the how it affects us, our life. It becomes a positive feedback loop. We feel happier. um, And and so it almost has a life of its own. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I'm wondering, Donna, what's the legacy you would like to leave?
0: Um, You know, I have thought about that, um, Nicole. And I really... uh, I'd like to be an encourager. I think that's really important to me, is to be a person who, who encourages others. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've thought if if I can be a fairly kind person, then I'm in, I won't die with regrets. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not aiming to change the world, but I'm hoping that my kindnesses will touch other people, and their kindnesses will then touch. Touch other people, and then together we'll change the world.
1: Mm. Oh my goodness! What a beautiful and and powerful sentiment. It just um, oh goodness, it's so important right now. We're all suffering, and we're all feeling upended. And these little micro kindnesses really are, I think, even more important as we're all of our anxiety is up, and um, we're feeling a sense of scarcity.
0: Yes, yeah, and that's, you know, that's an approach too. Do we look at the world through a lens of scarcity? If if you get something, does that mean there's less for me? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or do we look at it in terms of abundance and I think that abundant view really is much more rewarding all around, and I think it's also more true. There are very few things where if one person has success or or acquires something, it means that somebody else doesn't or can't.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's really true. Um, Donna, where can people find out more about you and find out more about your – your new multi-award-winning book, some of which was, I was kind of laughing to myself as you were talking about self-help, because some of it is in the self-help category, all oh, of yeah. these awards. <laughs> so uh, where can they find out more about you? Well, I have a website,
0: which is um, com um so that's always a good place to start and mm-hmm. then it's at it's at um, an awful lot of bookstores lots of local indie bookstores are mm-hmm. carrying it or if they don't currently have it in stock they can order it um another place that where it's available is a new uh a new online bookstore called bookshop.org mm-hmm. which is a great new discount site uh, that gives a portion of its proceeds to your local indie bookseller. Oh,
1: something to for me to know about and highlight. As a fellow nerd, I buy a lot of books. Yeah, so, and, I okay.
0: mean, of course, it's available on Amazon, too. Mm-hmm. But right now, our indie bookstores are really hurting. OK. Uh, so anything we can do to support uh, indie bookstores, I'm in favor of.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, speaking of uh, gratitude, I am so delighted that we got to spend time together today. This is such an important subject, really something near and dear to my heart, and I've really enjoyed being able to learn more about it.
0: Oh, thank you, Nicole. This was such a fun conversation. I forgot that we were recording, and I just felt like we were having a having conversation over tea.
1: Excellent. That's the, that's what we're going for. Well,
0: you've you've nailed it.
1: (laughs) I love it. Since this interview, I've been more intentional about choosing kindness. It's really been interesting because I consider myself a pretty kind person. But I've learned some things. So why don't you try it and let me know how it goes. I love Donna's mission to make the world kinder, and that's what Zestful Aging is all about, creating a legacy for the common good. And creating a legacy is a very important part of aging well, and if you wanna find out more about how to age well, check out my course, Zestful Aging, and you can just go to zestfulaging.com and check out the web courses. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Lutheran. It's called Too Much Stuff.